Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, we got a fantastic show for you this week. We're going to kick things off by going through the first 12 picks in the draft. And we got a special guest to break down the entire class and give you insight into how each team is handling the unique circumstance that we're all facing in this country in 2020. And as always, we'll wrap it up with a six pack of your Twitter questions. Let's go. All right, welcome in. It's the MMQB podcast with Albert Breer. We are now 15 days out from the 2020 NFL draft. It's going to be a totally different draft. We all know that. Um, before we get started on that, though, and I know you guys want to talk draft, I figured it's important to at least address what's going on in our country. Hope everybody's staying safe. Hope everybody's staying inside. Hope everybody's contributing to local businesses and doing what they can to make sure we're in the best spot when all this ends. That said, I... Also hear you guys, you know, I, I've been over this over the last few weeks in my columns here on the podcast, how the draft's going to be different, how the season can be affected. I also know that you guys just want to talk football and that's a big part of why you come here. So I want to give you guys that release in the six pack. I think I'm going to answer a question that does relate to all of this, but it's the drafts. One of my favorite times of the year. It's when one of my loves converges with another one of my loves. That's college football and pro football. So I love the two worlds kind of coming together. And I love the intrigue of it. I love the information trade that I'm going through this time of year. The fact that I can be sort of resourced to some of these teams is awesome. Um, you know, and then, you know, being able to kind of put that, put those puzzle pieces together, figure out what it is at the end. Um, I love that part of it. And just really quick to take you through the process before we get to each of the teams. I'm going to take you guys through the the top 12 picks here and kind of how I see it. It's not a mock draft, but kind of how I see it going into the process. I'm really, you know, this time of year, I'm kind of, I'm on the phone a lot. I'm, I'm talking to general managers. I'm talking to coaches. I'm talking to scouts, trying to get kind of a mosaic of what's happening. And a lot of times the information I trade can be one team that knows this about that team or that team knows that about this team. And so it's sort of all, folds together. That's how it works for people on my side of the fence this time of year, which is great because you know we're sort of going back and forth. And I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of a middle school lunchroom aspect to it, but I love it. It's great. It's fantastic. It's 
again, and I, and this is something for me that goes back to when I was 11, 12 years old and I would sit at home on spring weekends that Saturday, the full day, Saturday, the full day, Sunday and watch it. You know, I, I, I still remember Kajana Carter going with the first overall pick. I still remember, you know, the whole Trev Alberts thing when he came out of Nebraska and and then Mel Kuyper and Trent Dilfer and that whole thing. I believe that was 92. I remember Steve Entman going at the top of the draft in 1991. So this goes back to like when I was in middle school that I've loved the draft, continue to love the draft. And so we'll get right to it. I want to tell you guys just a little something on what I'm hearing on each of the picks. Then we're going to get to our special guest, which also relates to the NFL draft. And with the first pick, I do think that the Cincinnati Bengals are going to sit tight and take Joe Burrow. Uh, there's been a lot of relationship building that's gone on there. There are connections in that building to Joe Burrow. Um, one of his college roommates, Sam Hubbard, is on the team in Cincinnati. He's been a conduit for the Bengals to get information. Um, you know, Zach Taylor actually for a year was on the road recruiting in the same area as Joe Burrow's dad, Jimmy Burrow. This is when Joe Jimmy Burrow was at Ohio University and when Zach Taylor was at the University of Cincinnati. Um, and they've done things to sort of signal to Joe Burrow how serious they are about winning and signing guys like DJ Reader and Trey Waynes and Von Bell in free agency. There's just a lot there. And I believe that Joe Burrow is worthy of the first overall pick. I think he's that sort of prospect. The Bengals, it couldn't be easier for them. A guy who's worthy of the first overall pick, a hometown kid. I think ultimately the Bengals sit tight, take Joe Burrow with the first overall pick. And number two, this is going to be kind of interesting because, again, the, the, the Redskins are doing all the work they need to do on Tua Tungvaloa. Um, and as somebody in the building put, put it to me, we want to make sure we're not passing on Michael Jordan. They also understand that looking at the quarterbacks does create some tension for the teams behind them. So if there is an offer to be made for that second overall pick, maybe that smokes out that offer. So they figure out at least what's out there. But I think that they will sit tight, like the Bengals sit tight at one, at number two and take Chase Young, who's local for them. And he makes sense for a lot of different reasons. And I, I think there's a parallel to where the Niners were with the second overall pick last year, where the Niners could look at it and say, all right, we've got four former first-round picks on our defensive line, Solomon Thomas, DeForest Buckner, Eric Armstead, and D. Ford. And we can bring in Nick Bosa to sort of be the final piece, the one that kind of brings it all together and turns this into a dominant force. Well, look at where the Redskins are and what they've done in the draft over the last few years. They've got four first-round picks up front. Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen, and Ryan Kerrigan. Bringing in Chase Young could do for them what bringing in Nick Bosa did for the Niners. Ultimately, I think Chase Young goes home to the D.C. area and is the second overall pick for the Redskins. The Lions at three, to me, that's where the draft starts. The Lions would love to get out of three. I don't know how far they're willing to go down. That could be part of the issue. You know, if they sit tight, I think the pick would be Jeff Okuda. They would love for the Dolphins at five or the Chargers at six to come up and get them. And so get come up and get, get a quarterback. And so if they can stay within the top six picks, that would allow them to still pluck one of those elite defensive players. I believe there are four in this year's class. Chase Young, Jeff Okuda, Derek Brown, and, uh, and Isaiah Simmons. So if they're able to stay within those top six picks, they can still get one of the defensive players and add some capital. Ultimately, I don't know whether or not they're going to be able to get it done. I could see the Chargers maybe coming up for Tua, um, but that's what they'd like to do. And they would love to come away with Jeff Okuda one way or the other. But ultimately, I think this is a little different than the Redskins, where the Redskins are weighing Chase Young versus everything else. I think the Lions are more trying to trade down and would love to get Jeff Okuda whether they can trade down or not. Um, and we'll see whether or not that pans out. But it makes sense for them. They, they invested in their defensive line. They brought in Danny Shelton. They invested in their linebacker position, Jamie Collins. So two guys that would be in play there, maybe, maybe Derek Brown or Isaiah Simmons. They've already sort of taken care of those positions. Jeff Okuda, I, yeah, Desmond Trufant's in, but he's on a third contract. And they just traded Darius Slay, so Okuda makes some sense. At number four, I think ultimately it's going to come, come down to either an offensive tackle or Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is a great fit for a Patriot defense. What's interesting about Simmons, he's the type of player he doesn't he needs to be in a defense that's going to use him in a lot of different ways, right? Like so if you're a defense that uses your linebackers in a static way, like like those old Tampa two defenses, like what Seattle does with their defense. I'm not sure like he'd be the great fit for that sort of defense, like a Seattle type of defense, because you don't have him doing a million different things. If you put him in a Patriot type of defense and you move him around a bunch, then he's special. And so the Lions at three, the Giants at four, the 
Dolphins at five can all accommodate that because with Patrick Graham in New York and with Matt Patricia in Detroit and with uh, with Brian Flores in uh, in Miami, you've got guys running the defense who have Patriot roots. And so ultimately, I think this comes down to either an offensive tackle or Isaiah Simmons. The one on paper that makes sense for Dave Gettleman based on what he's favored in the past is Mekhi Becton could be the fourth overall pick. So I think I'm gonna, I'll, I'll say right now my guess would be Becton or Simmons at number five. Look, the Dolphins have been connected to Tua Tungavaloa. I can tell you they've done other research in Tua Tungavaloa. It goes very, very deep there to the point where the team president, uh, Tom Garfinkel, the owner, Stephen Ross, the general manager, Chris Greer, were all at the bowl game, the Alabama bowl game, and Tua wasn't even playing in it. So they were doing their research on Tua, even though he wasn't playing in the game. They, they just wanted to be around him. Um, they, the owner was at the LSU Alabama game. They've done a ton of work on Tua. So that means they're taking him. Maybe not. Maybe not. Maybe they know enough about the physical part of this that they are a little weary about the idea of taking somebody who's had the two ankle surgeries and who's had the hip, hip surgery. Uh, and I wouldn't underrate the ankle things. Those are, you know, that's a new surgery. There's some concern over that. Obviously, the hip, we won't know until he's 9 to 12 months out if he's totally in the clear of the condition called AVN. That's what Bo Jackson had. And so there's some level of concern there. So not saying they're going to take Justin Herbert over to, I would just kind of keep my eye on that. At 6, the Chargers, maybe they go up. Maybe they sit tight. I think it's probably to a, if they move up, if they don't, at six, could it be Tua still? Maybe Tua slips there. We'll see. At seven, I think the Panthers, to me, that's a Derek Brown team. Um, I, you know, they, they're very much sort of building up the infrastructure of the team right now. I think you know Matt Rule would like to build up the lines of scrimmage. Derek Brown is a, a really good kid, a four-year player at Auburn. Um, intangibles, production, like he's got everything. Now, he didn't run a great 40 at the Combine, but this is a very, very good, safe pick. And so I think... Right now, if I had to put it down on paper, I would say Derek Brown to Carolina at seven with the eighth pick. With the eighth pick, you have the Arizona Cardinals. And if only one tackle's off the board or none of the tackles are off the board, it's a dream scenario for Arizona. Um, and I, to them, I, I matched up Becton with the Giants. I'm just sort of going right now on, you know, kind of putting some pieces together. Jedrick Wills would make some sense as a tackle for the Cardinals because they've got a left tackle already in DJ Humphreys and Wills is as ready as any of the tackles, but he's a little bit more of strictly a right tackle. So if you're committed to DJ Humphreys and they just signed him um, to be your left tackle long-term, Jedrick Wills would make some sense as your right tackle. And that right tackle position over the years has become a little bit more important. And so I like the idea of Jedrick Wills going to the Arizona Cardinals. Makes a lot of sense to me at number nine, the Jacksonville Jaguars. They could be offensive line. They could be defensive line. Um, I think that they would like to trade out of that spot, maybe pick up a little bit more capital. They've got two first-round picks. It's a big draft for them if they sit tight. And the four defensive players that I mentioned, Simmons, Okuda, Brown, and uh, and Young are all off the board at that point. Javon Kinlaw would make some sense there too. Based on what they've lost in the defensive line, Calais Campbell's gone, Marcel Darius is gone. Javon Kinlaw could be a good safe pick for them ninth overall. Then we get to like this little tackle cluster there, 10, 11, Cleveland and the Jets. You know, I think you know, both teams would be of a mind to take a tackle. We've got Becton and Wirfs. We got, we got Becton and um, Becton and Wills off the board right now. To me, the, 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 you look at the Browns at 10, the right tackles in place in Jack Conklin. Andrew Thomas might not be the most, ex most exciting prospect, the Georgia left tackle, but he's very finished. He's a very much a prototype left tackle. He'll be your starting left tackle for a long time, very safe. Um, if Andrew Barry doesn't trade down, and we saw their history of trading down when the when, when, when he was with uh, when he was with Sashi Brown there in Cleveland, so it's always possible they trade down. Um, you know, but I could certainly see that being Andrew Thomas kind of is the guy who's the perfect bookend to Jack Conklin, a nice safe pick to help fix the offensive line and help Baker Mayfield, because that was the biggest problem last year. Biggest problem wasn't Baker Mayfield. It was the offensive line. And then at 11, the Jets, if Tristan Wirfs falls to him at 11, I think that makes sense. You know, they've got some, they've, they've signed a lot of players there. Connor McGregor, 
Um, Connor McGregor, Connor McGovern, sorry, Connor McGovern as their center, George Fant as their swing tackle. Tristan Wirfs is a zone blocking um, offensive lineman. They are going to run a zone type of scheme. That's the that's the type of scheme that that Adam Gase and 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 Dal Loggins, their offensive staff, have put in. Um, Tristan Wirfs would make a lot of sense. The question is where you play him. Like, is he a guard? Is he a right tackle? Is he a left tackle? Um, most people feel like the two guys who aren't prototype left tackles in that group of four there. Um, you know, taking Becton and Thomas out of it. Both people, most people feel like Wills and Werfs can play left tackle, um, but they haven't really done it full time for an extended period of time. So both those guys, um, I think probably, you know, it makes sense to me that, that team, like maybe a team like Arizona would take one that doesn't need a left tackle. And maybe the jets who have, you know, need a lot of linemen period and could move somebody around worse would make some sense for them. Finally, 12. And again, like we kind of gotten to this point now where I look at it and I say, okay, if the offensive linemen are gone. If the defensive players are gone to me, like there's 11 players in this draft that sort of, I think are kind of going to be gone fairly quickly. The three quarterbacks, the four offensive tackles, and then the four defensive players that I mentioned, those 11 players are gone. Now you got the Raiders sitting there and they could, I mean, again, maybe one of those players slips to them. I don't know that they really need an offensive lineman. Maybe one of the defensive players slips to them. Um, if not, it would make some sense for them to maybe take a receiver here. They do need a receiver. Obviously, the Antonio Brown thing uh, fell through last year. Tyrell Williams was a nice free agent sign, but he's not really number one. They've got Hunter Renfro there. Getting a prototype number one would really help. Jerry Judy runs every route in the route tree. I think he and CeeDee Lamb are neck and neck. CeeDee Lamb, the comparison that I've heard is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, with, with Jerry Judy, the comparison I've heard is Marvin Harrison. Uh, you know, so I've asked around a little bit who's a better fit for Gruden. Judy might be a little bit of a better fit. I think a lot of teams feel like Lamb might be the better player, um, a little bit more of a dog than Judy. But Judy, I think, has a is, is a good fit for what John Gruden wants in his receiver. So it could be either of those two. So those are the first 12 picks. Again, not really a mock, but giving you an idea of what I feel, where I'm at on each of those. We'll try and do this every week. Maybe the next two weeks I've got two more podcasts before the draft. Maybe we'll do these um, off the top. If you guys like them, again, your feedback can get to me on social at Albert Breer on Twitter, at Albert underscore Breer on Instagram, at Albert R. Breer on Facebook. You guys can get to me there. If you guys like me doing this, I can do this for each week as sort of I continue to build up information. And we will get to our special guest to talk more draft right after this. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade, at the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to Bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Some people try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. 
you think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but. All right. So what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I know, right? I was worried we'd bring back the same team. Oh, no, I meant those blackout motorized shades. MVP of the room. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. Even you could do it. Nice. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. What, you fly across the country to do the install? Nope. Blinds.com can do it all. All she had to do was pick what she wanted. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Look at you, Hall of Fame son. Oh, I just picked the winning team. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Oh, Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. He shoots. He scores. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Go right now for up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right, now we're going to welcome in an old buddy of mine and uh, a guy who's become a pretty big uh, figure on the scouting scene. Used to work for the Patriots, used to work for the Chiefs, used to work for the Seahawks. He's now the executive director of the Senior Bowl uh, down in Mobile, Alabama. One of my favorite events of the year. Jim Nagy, welcome in. Thanks for having me on, man. All right, so here's where I want to start because you were in those rooms for – um, you know, over a decade and, and you know how these teams work and everything else. Uh, I, I really want to just kind of start with the, uh, you know, functional part of this, like how the unique circumstances this year without pro days, without 30 visits, uh, you know, how you think that that's going to affect all 32 teams and how their process is maybe sort of different this year than it's been in the past. Yeah. You know, it's funny you follow social media and uh, everyone's all over these GMs right now for wanting to push the draft back and they're making them sound like crybabies. They're really not. Um, this thing has a bunch of different tentacles. Like you hit on the, the no pro, the no pro day. Um, so there's just missing information. You know, there, there's plenty of information on a lot of players, but it's not full. So you know, these guys are just trying to make informed decisions and I don't care what you do in life, uh, whether, you, you know, whatever, of work or just being a parent like you want to be as informed as you can um, so you know in terms of draft day it, it's going to be different you know there's there's a lot of different responsibilities in a draft room there's a lot of moving parts and uh you know so guys gms are gonna to have to work through that kind of on their own you know they could they can do this they can do the zoom conference but it, it it just loses kind of a personal feel and again like talking to some of these guys um that are, that are friends of mine it's part of the, you know, we've worked on this together as a group all year and you're losing kind of that, you know, and again, people are going to get caught up and, and say, well, you don't cry about it, but it's just like you work so hard as a team for a year and now you're going through it kind of alone. So they, they lose kind of that teamwork aspect of the draft, which is, I mean, it's not going to affect the draft itself. It's, it's kind of a bummer on their end, but um, yeah, this, this thing reaches in a lot of different directions. Though. I do want to, I do want to touch on, on that part of it in a minute, but I, I think the one thing that I'm getting back most is that how it's going to affect the kids is probably the medical and that a lot of those files are incomplete. Um, you know, obviously you're down in Alabama. So the hot button one, I think for everybody is Tua Tungavaloa, but there are a lot of kids who've come in, who come into the draft process with medical history that needs to be checked and rechecked. So, you know, with the knowledge that over 300 kids went through a physical at the combine, how much do you think is missing right now from what the teams would normally have? 
Um, you know, I, I can I can bring it back to just one story in particular. What happened in Seattle a few years ago? Uh, we drafted a kid, Garrett Scott, who was a tackle, a developmental tackle out of Marshall. Really good athlete. We were excited about the upside of the player. Um, you know, but he was a non guy. So what happens is like. You know, all these GMs have a network of buddies they came up through business with or worked at other teams with. So you're not going to, if you only have 30 visits, you're not going to use all 30 visits on non-combine guys to get their medical. So, you know, you, you'll divvy, up, divvy it up between you and some friends. So, you know, it's a, if you and I, if, if I was in, in Seattle, you were in New England and we had a couple other buddies in Detroit and San Diego or something, we'd all, we'd all bring five guys in and get their medicals and we'd share that information. Uh, well, that year we didn't get Gareth. Scott's medical stuff and then uh, or we got it from another team like our doctors didn't get their their hands on Garrett and then when we drafted him in the sixth round and brought him in after the draft we came up we found out that our doctors found a heart condition and Garrett couldn't play football again so um, again it was you know so that's a sixth round pick you know that you don't get anything out of so that's an extreme case where a guy would never play football again um, but yeah so there are there are a lot of missing there's a lot of guys that don't get invited to the combine Let's just be honest. I mean, there's a lot of good players out there that don't go to the combine, don't go to an all-star game. So it's not only the medical piece, it's the workout piece, right? So also when you're, when you're a scout and you go to a smaller school at FCS or division two, they might be a really good player on tape. Um, and it, you know, at that level, but if they don't get invited to a senior bowl, you don't really see them against other guys that are going to play in the, in the NFL. You're only seeing them against smaller school guys. So the other way to do that without an all-star game is the workout information. You know, if, if it's a receiver that vertical jumps 40 and broad jumps 10-6 and runs 4-4, you know, now, okay, that's a guy That's a guy that plays in the league. That's a, Those are numbers that play in the league. So now, rather than that guy being a priority free agent, now we're drafting him in the sixth or seventh. We're taking a late shot on the guy. So it is. Those, those are the kids it's going to affect is those non-combine, non-all-star guys. Can you think of a, an example where the workout made it? You mentioned where the medical made a difference. Can you think of an example where – Maybe the workout made a difference, whether you were the one conducting the workout or not. Yeah, yeah, that that happens more so than than the medical stuff. Really, that's more of a big deal for those guys. I'm trying to think back. Uh, again, it does. It happens every year where you have a small school guy, you know, pop a really big number, and you know that's that's when you start getting excited about taking a shot on a guy. So off the top of my head, I, I wish I had something. <laughs> Maybe something will come to me while we while we keep talking. Okay, so. When you like with the with the medical piece of it, would you be nervous right now with a post op guy like Atua, where you don't get the recheck and where maybe you're not completely positive? You, and I've heard doctors say this, like they want to get their own hands on a guy, right? Like, and one guy might think he's okay, another guy doesn't. A guy, another guy's not sure. Like, do you think that it's going to affect somebody like Tua, where? a team might say, okay, like I, I, you know, if, if it was my own doctor getting his hands on him, fine, we could do it. But if it's not my doctor, like then I'm a little concerned about this. I'm not sure that I'm, I'm willing to, to take that swing. It could, Albert, it certainly could. And again, a lot of these, a lot of these teams, doctors grades vary. Um, it's really surprising sometimes to see the variance and in, in where some teams come out on these players. I mean, some guys will be medical rejects for one team and then another team he'll, he'll be fine. So um, you know, I think it's easy for us in the media to talk about Tua's situation. Be like, oh, yeah, you know, he, he, we saw him on video. He's working out great. He's coming back. But that's not the reality for a guy that's going to have to make that pick and, and go to his owner and tell the owner where, where, where we're talking about Tua being picked. And that's $20, 25000000 million signing bonus. And, and if that hip pops again, you know, you, you're probably not a job. So that's a, that's a big decision. So I, I think that people in the league are weighing that thing a lot more heavily. I've talked, and I'm sure you have too. I've talked to a lot of guys around the league. I've had players that have had this injury. It's really tough. Um, the one that pops in my mind is Bitta, the tight end from the Ravens, who you know, BYU player. Um, I think I think Ravens said he redid this thing three times, um, and that's what forced him. To so um, it, it's it's a serious deal. For us in the media to kind of poo-poo this situation with Tua, oh, well, you know, people are overreacting. You just got to take him. He's a great player. Well, I, there's, there's way more to it than that. 
Okay, then there's another part of this too. And I think you at one point brought up the example of John Reed to me when you were in Seattle, right? Like where the interview can make a difference too. Like bringing in a guy for a 30 visit and sitting down with him and having the ability to talk to him um, in your environment, you know, where it's maybe a little bit, I, I guess, controlled more on your end than it is on his. Um, that can make a difference. Like losing the interview is a big deal too, right? Yeah, it is. And I'm bringing this back to two also. So one, the mental part is big for these quarterbacks, all of them, you know, they're all trying to talk to head coaches and GMs that are trying to get this thing done right now. And it's hard to really get the mental part down. I mean, you can talk football, but really to get deep with video and, and, and stuff like that, they don't feel as great about it as they would if the guy was in on a visit, you know, they'll bring him in one night, they'll hand him, a, you know, a, a pared down part of their playbook, tell him to go home and study it at the hotel that night. And then bring him back in the morning and really quiz him on what he what he read over just to see his recall. And that's such it's going to be so huge this year. We don't know what this offseason is going to look like. So the mental part of the quarterback, if you expect him to play next year, he's he might be teaching himself the system up until you know July or August. So that's critical. And then, like you said, the interview part of it um, for quarterbacks, especially like you want to feel, you'd love to get him in the building and you'd love to see how he interacted with everyone in the building. You get him downstairs in the locker room and with the football trainers and the, and the strength coaches, you're trying to pull everyone's opinion. And I think, you know, and you'll remember this, the, the popular story is the one with Deshaun Watson when, when the Texans got him in the building and they're in the cafeteria and all the veterans are around and they're kind of gravitating to the kid. And so, you know, Bill O'Brien and the powers that be kind of saw that. I mean, that, that helps you gain conviction. All you're trying to do through the whole process is gain conviction on a player. And if you can get the guy in the building and, and get a comfort level with him and help gain conviction, then that, that's all you're trying to do by draft. Yeah, that's interesting because I remember, like, I talked to a team that a general manager took a quarterback a couple of years ago, right? And he said, like, I would hate to be taking one this year because I remember the year we took one we had them stacked one way at the comp going into the combine and then a different way when we got to the draft and it wouldn't have happened without having to go through that process. Like we felt like we knew every, every one of them like incredibly well inside and out. And so at that position, it's even more important, right? Like I, like it seems to me like maybe there are some people that are like, like you'd be, if you're running one of these teams, maybe you would like look at it and say, if you have some job security, maybe we wait, you know, maybe we just see if we can tread water at quarterback for a year. Then you got Trevor Lawrence coming next year. Maybe you have Justin Fields coming next year. Like it might make sense for some of these teams. If you're even a little bit uneasy about it, based on the size of the decision of taking a quarterback that high it might make sense to wait. Yeah. And you just look at this year's class, um, you know, stuff comes up. That's why they call it a process stuff comes up and you know, you might get a call from a scouting perspective, from a scout's perspective, you may get a call from your GM or your, or your director saying, hey, Jim, this just came up. We just found out this piece of information. Can you drive to Tuscaloosa and try to dig this up for us? You know, whether that's or, or go back to his high school, you know, like that's happened a bunch of times where you, you got to go back to the kid's hometown. I mean, I've met with youth coaches before, and high school coaches and, and high school guidance counselors like and this is the time of year where you're getting dispatched to do that. And now you can't do it. It's, it's one thing if, if I had to call Tuscaloosa right now and find out some stuff on Tua, I could do that. But like, could I, could I go back to his high school? Like no one's going to, you know, take my call. They don't know me. I don't have those relationships. So you can do a lot of stuff over the phone if you have relationships, established relationships. But, you know, a lot of these cases you don't have those. And so it takes you going to a building physically and, and you know, getting face-to-face -face with people to get these answers. And that though, though, that's none of the stuff that's going on right now. I'm just wondering have teams tapped into you uh, because you were out there on the road and like you had to pick some of these kids and obviously you had them in a pretty intimate setting for a week there in Mobile. Have you gotten different types of phone calls over the last few weeks from some teams trying to find out some stuff about certain kids? Yeah, yeah, we certainly have. Um, you know, we, we kind of patterned our game a little bit after what they've done at the Combine for years in terms of having group leaders. Um, and what we did was we used guys, former NFL players, and guys that a lot of guys that played in the Senior Bowl as group leaders this year, guys that came to our scout school last year. So what they'll do is I ask them to, you know, just and all they do is shepherd these guys around all week, make sure they're where they need to be and not late for meetings and, and, and all those things. And one, we want an on-field assessment, you know, just to see what their, what their thoughts were on the field. 
but also more importantly for the teams, you know, how, how were they for us during the week? And, and again, usually the first day or two, their guys are on their P's and Q's, same thing at the combine, but like <laughs> a couple days to let their guard down a little bit. So there have, there've been a lot of teams calling and, and asking for that information. And, and I just, you know, I give them my perspective on how the kids were with me, but more importantly, the group leaders were really around them in the group setting to see them behind the scenes more than I was able to. Um, and they've been asking for that information. And obviously, and I know you're pretty well connected in the scouting community. Um, connections, like you said earlier, should really help too, like to somebody like you, but also like to, like, do I know this assistant coach at this school? Do I know this academic advisor at that school? Like, it's probably even, I mean, I know that stuff's always important, right? Like, and, you know, in your years as an area scout, that was one of the most important things, right? Like, is knowing the kids. I'd assume that having those phone numbers in your like like having those phone numbers in your phone is even more important now. Being able to kind of pull on those connections now because you can't physically go there. Yeah, it's a great point. Great point, Albert. I think that uh, having those long-standing relationships is critical right now. And again, that's why the the, the teams that have a veteran scouting staff are really going to benefit because I'll 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 draw a parallel to when guys come out as juniors, right? Like if you get a lot of times you'll kind of know, like next year, most people will know Trevor Lawrence is, is coming out. So you go to Clemson, they'll talk about Trevor Lawrence, but you'll get surprised a lot, you know, come December, January as well. So every single, every single position coach, every single strength coach, every trainer, they're getting hit up by at minimum 32 guys. Um, and so you have to have those relationships. So you're the guy they're calling back, right? Like they're, they're not going to call all 32 teams back. And it's just not, I mean, that's, that's taxing on them. They're still going through their obviously They have their, they have their daily regimen. They can't call 32 NFL teams back. So you better make sure that you have relationships in those schools. So you are maybe one of those top five or, or six teams that they actually will call back. So that stuff is coming in uh, is so critical right now. So what do you think happened? Like, how do you think this like tangibly affects the draft? Like this is obviously a different, hopefully it's the only time we go through something like this. Seriously. Uh, but you know, I, like, like how do you think this will tangibly affect the way the draft works this year? Um, one, I, I do think there'll be less trades. I just think because there's, you know, I, I see there being complications in terms of, you know, usually in a room you'll have your two or three pro scouts on the phones with their you know, counterparts at their teams, um, you know, like a GM might be on the phone with one of his buddies, you know, depending on the team, they might enlist area scouts to start reaching out to their friends, but you'll have multiple guys in the room reaching out. So to me, that could be confusing um, all in different locations, but so maybe less trades. And I do, I do think there's going to be uh, less small school and non-combine guys drafted this year. I just, I think the more information, the better. And I think guys are going to lean on GM really going to lean on the guys they have familiarity with. So um, n- not to sound self-serving in any way, but I've had a lot of GMs tell me like they're really comfortable taking senior bowl players. Cause this is the only part of the process. They spend an entire week with these guys, like in the same city with them. So they just feel better. There's more peace of mind taking that name off the board. So this might be a year, not just senior, bowl, the, the other all-star games as well. You we might see more all-star game guys uh, get drafted this year as well. You think more risk averse too? Like if you're a little uneasy about a guy's character, a little uneasy about a guy's medical, like medical, you know, you would you think like this year would be like guys who have the have those sorts of red flags might slip a little further than they would in the past. I think that's fair. I, I absolutely think that's fair. I think I think some teams will play it more safe this year. And again, like play it safe meaning that they have all the information on and you feel good about all the information. I I still think teams will take some shots on some character guys and some medical guys, but on the guys they feel like they have all the information on, <laughs> um, not the guys that they have missing information on. And, and again, it's like, yeah, again, I'm on social media too much, so I have a lot of the backlash. But, you know, you, you, I read a lot of this where they're, you know, why can't GMs make the decision? Well, they can make the decision. They have enough information right now. But it's like when two players are graded at the same exact level on a board um, and one guy's you know, went to the combine or worked out of the combine and had a pro day and the other hasn't, like it, it obviously helps the guy that's finished his process. And, and so there are players being hurt by it. Not that the, not that the GM can't make the decision. It's just not, it's not a complete decision. You know, it's, it's, it's an incomplete process. 
And you lose something too. Like I would have think too. Like this is the other thing that somebody brought up to me. It's just the idea of being in the room with the other guys too, in the weeks leading up to it. Like the idea that all right, well, and everybody's looking at the board, you know, and, and it's. I know some people are paranoid about the idea of like putting their board anywhere near to like one of these online apps, like the one we're using right now, right? right? right. And so, like, there is value for decision makers and. 20 guys or whatever sitting in a room looking at a board and saying, well, you know, I like that guy versus that guy. Okay. Like, let's just put them on. Let's like watch them together. And like maybe losing that part of it's going to, I like, it just, it's, it's a, it's something that's a valuable part of the process that's lost too. I think so too. I think there's a personal side to it. I think if you talk to a lot of GMs, they know how each of their individual scouts grades players. I mean, it sounds crazy, but you're all working off the same grading scale, but some guys are high graders, some guys are low graders. Um, and if you're you know, if you just looking at grades on a paper, like you can't hear the voice inflection. You can't, you can't tell a guy's tone. You can't see language in the meeting when like a certain player gets brought up. You know, one guy might, like GMs know that, you know, especially if they've had a staff together for a long time, they, they know how to read their guys. And uh, soon you're losing a part of that. Again, a lot of people might scoff at that stuff, but but I, I think that stuff's important. And I think it's 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 human nature. It's sociology 101, you know, and I think that uh, you're going to lose that human element. What's your overview of the class in general? Like, just it's a good class. Yeah, Albert, it's a good class, especially at certain positions. Um, you know, I always look at where do we start drafting backups? Like, what's the depth? A lot's been made of this tackle class. A lot's been made of the wideout class. And I don't particularly think there are great ones at either position. Like, I don't think there is a Kelvin Johnson or a Julio Jones at wideout. But I do think it's a very good class because there's depth to it. I think you can get – you'll go back to last year's class, Terry McLaurin late in the third round, who, you know, could have won rookie of the year had they not had some quarterback issues in Washington. You're going to get players like that. I think there's going to be some some starting level guys into the fourth round. Um, same thing with the offensive line. Like I don't see, I personally don't see like a slam dunk top ten tackle. To me, those guys are you know early career Pro Bowlers. I don't know. I don't particularly see one in this tackle group, but I see a lot of good players and I see a lot of depth. I think you can get you know if you hit on a Matt Parrot from UConn in the in the second round or third round, wherever Matt goes. Like there are left tackle prospects into the third round, which most years there's not, you know, you're drafting right tackles at that point. So um, there is really good depth at certain positions. And overall, I, I, I do think it's a strong draft. This quarterback class is good. You know, usually these quarterbacks at the top, I, like over my years, there's usually one or two guys that I think are going to bust in that class um, that, that I've had like third, fourth, not, not even third, like fourth, fifth, sixth round grades on. Um, and I think I think all four guys being talked about at the top can can win a lot of games at the next level. I know you know Burrow pretty well because you recruited him to play in the game, and he wanted to play in the game, right? Like, and I know that there was part of that where I guess it was just sort of a matter of the national championship game being just too close to Senior Bowl week, and he wanted to get a you know take, sort of take a break. What was your experience like getting to know Burrow? Um, yeah, I'm not going to pretend to know Joe Great. I got to meet him last summer at the at the Manning camp, mm-hmm. which was cool. It's a laid back environment. Again, we 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 met at the field one day, and then later that um, they have a party at night, and we 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 saw each other again there. We're just like observing him around the other guys. That's always that's a really cool thing working at the Senior Bowl is I can actually go to that event now. When you when you work in the NFL, you can't go to the Manning camp, so. To see those guys in that environment, kind of all the alphas together, um, just observing Joe. And then as a staff, as a senior bowl staff, we saw him play five times this year. I saw him play twice. Um, you know, and then we, you know, we communicated through that. I got to know his dad a little bit. And then, uh, you know, we had a really good talk when he decided not to come play at the game. And I understood his decision. I got, that's <laughs> probably going to be the number one pick. So I, I just thought it would be beneficial for him to come here. Um, and- the Bengals, maybe the team that's going to be drafting him, but Joe's, uh, he's really, again, talk about the observing stuff. You go to a game, you observe this guy pregame and like who gravitates to him and who, who looks comfortable. And it's, it's big guys, small guys, black guys, white guys. Like everyone seems to be comfortable with the guy. And, uh, you know, he's got that guy's guy quality to him. I've said it before. He, he's a coach's kid. So, you know, he's just been around ball and talking to guys that have, some coaches that have been through this process so far with him from at the combine and even some of the zoom stuff. 
like you know he's in the room like he's a dude that that you feel when he's in the room and he can command a room. so he's i got no reservations on joe in terms of you know the person or the, the type of guy he's going to be the alpha leader that you want okay last thing and i'm going to put you on the spot a little bit here yeah uh I, I, and I, I brought this up to you before, but I don't think I ever heard the story. Can you tell me the story of Julian Edelman? You were with the Patriots at the time. I believe you were the area scout. Can you tell me the story of Julian Edelman becoming a Patriot? Uh, I can tell you the part until I left and went to Kansas City. Uh, <laughs> so Julian played quarterback at, at, at Kent State, as we all know. He was coming off a little bit behind Josh Cribbs. I'm, it's been a long time, so I'm losing my, my frame of reference there. But it was a couple of years at least after Cribbs. They were cranking out some good players. Dean Bees was the head coach there. Um, you know, and that's a funny story. So going to meet with, with Dean at Kent State, and, you know, he'd always ask me about Coach Belichick. And, and it's amazing how many people ask you about Coach Belichick when you're on the road. Um, and, and, and so, but then once we hired Dean in, in New England, I realized, wow, that really was a relationship. <laughs> It was a friendship, but, uh, but no, so, so Julian was a really good athlete, you know, could run around really would fit in this, in, in today's game. You know, he really ran around and made plays and talking to people on the staff. The one thing that stood out, you know, to, to a man was how competitive Julian was. I remember the offensive coordinator said he was the most competitive guy he'd ever been around. So, um, you know, could rub people wrong at times, but super competitive and you wanted him on your football team. So, you know, at that time, we, we liked big quarterbacks in New England. You know, I had Tom, um, you know, I had Matt Castle. Like, we had this profile of, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, Julian clearly wasn't that. So, you're trying to find a good place for a good football player. And really, slot receiver made the most sense. Um, so, yeah, I, I did Julian. And then I left with Scott Pioli after the year to go to Kansas City. And that's when I think they went out there and worked him out and, you know, shot some machine and really tried to get more of a feel for the skill set but when you saw some of the short area stuff julian did with the ball in his hands like making people miss um you could see some of the movement you could see where he would be a really good route runner okay so it's been cool to see julian turn out to be the player he has it's i mean i i would have never thought going back i like julian the athlete and i, I like julian the say he was become what he become i would have never said that yeah i mean it's got to be one of those two like I don't know. It's probably one of the, I would assume like kind of like as a scout, it's probably one of those, you, you take something away from that one that you always remember, right? Like that you try to use after that. Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, to me, it's, it's, it was a good lesson in, in trying to think outside the box. I think in scouting, we've gotten a lot better with that over the years. I think, you know, 15 years ago when Julian was coming up, like it was a little more rigid. Scouts were a little more rigid in their thinking and, you know, guys had to fit a certain type. I think the league in general, scouts and coaches are a lot more open-minded now than they ever have been. So you see a player and he has a certain skill set or a set of tools. Well, it might not be for this system, but what what can he be in ours? I just think – I think Coach Belichick always did a good job with that. Scott Pioli always did a great job with that when we were in New England. But, but I think as a league, they're doing a better job now. Okay. He's Jim Nagy. You can follow him on Twitter. He mentioned his social media presence there. He's like me. He spends too much time on there. Uh, it's at Jim Nagy underscore SB. I want to give you a chance to pump the game too and kind of where you guys are at now. Obviously, part of this, I think you guys moved to 2021 fairly soon, right? Like so. Um, and I know there's some changes coming too. So I want to give you a chance to kind of give people an update on where the senior bowl is going over the course of the next, what will be uh, next nine months before you guys uh, saddle up again. Yeah, Albert, we're, thank you for doing that. We're, uh, we're excited. We are, we're on the 2021 right now. All the power five schools, we've got almost 400 names on the board right now. We're now we're starting to work on the group of five schools. And then over the summer, we'll get down to the FCS division twos. Um, really excited about this year's draft. You know, last year we had 10 first round picks, which hadn't done in a while. I don't know if we'll get to that number this year. Um, but you know, with Herbert and Love and Kinlaw, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of good players. So we're excited about this draft. Our, our high number ever is 96. So we're trying to get to triple digits. If we can get a draft picks this year, that would be, uh, we'd be pumped about that. Um, but yeah, it's full speed ahead. We're really excited. I'm just excited for this group of players and, and really see them on draft day and, and see where all these guys end up. Do you have any early impressions on next year's draft class? Uh, really good running back class, man. <laughs> really good. CTN at Clemson, um, Najee Harris and Brian Robinson at Alabama, Kylan Hill at, at Mississippi State. 
Uh, there's some really good Chuba Hubbard at Oklahoma State. So that class is really good. And I do know Trevor Lawrence will graduate in December. Um, Dabo has told us that, so he will be senior bowl eligible. So, uh, so yeah, it should be, it should be fun. Hopefully we can, uh, keep building this thing. So Trevor Lawrence can be a mobile. I hope so. God, <laughs> All right. He's Jim Nagy. Thanks Jim. Appreciate you coming out. Yeah. Thanks. Andrew. This is it. We've got an Amex platinum pro on our hands. Ladies and gentlemen, we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. The Home Depot wants every mom to have their own outdoor oasis this Mother's Day. Whether that be a new space to relax or a beautiful garden upgrade. At the Home Depot, you can give mom a gift that's as unique as she is with a stylish and comfortable place to entertain or relax for the mom who does it all. And with convenient delivery, you won't have to stress over getting it to her either. Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers for the mom who's great with gardening? Let mom's green thumb do some digging with color Colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in our patios, walkways, and gardens with the Home Depot's Mother's Day Savings Event happening now. Get Vigoro Potting Soil, just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants indoors and outside. Start your Mother's Day shopping and saving today by checking out the Home Depot's extensive selection online at homedepot.com or directly in-store near you with convenient pickup and delivery options. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, thanks to Jim. I don't know if we've actually had him on before, but he's fantastic. I love talking to him. He knows this stuff inside and out. He knows the way teams work, and obviously has a really, really good global view of each draft class. Um, because he's responsible for scouting them and his staff is responsible for scouting them. So be sure to follow him on Twitter. Great draft content year round from him and just a good overall dude also who's worked for a lot of good organizations, having worked for the Patriots and the Seahawks and the Chiefs. 
Uh, we will now jump into your questions. You guys know how this works during quarantine, right? Because we can't do the stuff that we used to do with the voicemail and the email because it's harder to involve Shelby. Um, and this part of it, for the time being, we're going back to doing a six-pack the way that we used to do it back in the day. That means on Tuesday, I put the call out for questions on Twitter. Some of it goes to my mailbag, which is up on the mmqb.com. Some of them come here. And you ask the question. If I like your question, I'll give you a like on Twitter. That means I'll hit the heart there, and you'll get an answer here. Question number one, I'm going to butcher your name, dude, from Ken Wizard Corick. That's at Ken Wizard Corick. If the Chargers are not able to draft Tua, who do they bring in as the new face of the franchise moving into a new stadium? Ken, that's a very good question. And what's interesting here is if for some reason, and I don't know who the mystery team would be, but let's just say, let's just play this scenario out. Burrow goes one, someone comes up and gets Tua at three. I don't know. Let's just say for the fun of it. Let's get wild and say the Raiders come up to get to a three and then the Dolphins pluck Justin Herbert at five. What do the Chargers do? Well, that's a problem for the Chargers, at least for now, right? Like, so I do think that, you know, and, and you, you heard when we talked to Jim about it, there is a decent idea there, um, a decent theory that teams could sit and wait for next year's draft at that position. And so, the Chargers could say, well, all right, look, well, let's wait for next year's class. Well, what's the next year's class? You've got Trevor Lawrence, a generational prospect, right? You've got Justin Fields from Ohio State who, I mean, some teams I think are going to have him rated close to Trevor Lawrence when all is said and done, so long as we have a college season. So then you've got two guys who I think are already worthy of being top five picks. I think Justin Fields, again, I think he might have, like if he, was, if he was eligible this year, might have been the second quarterback taken this year. So you've got those two guys, and that's without even accounting for the fact that the last three years with Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and Joe Burrow, we're going to have had number one overall picks that weren't considered first-rounders going into their final collegiate season. So I think there is some merit in the idea of waiting until 2021 if you've got the flexibility and freedom to do it. If the Chargers wind up aced out and those three quarterbacks go in the top five, not impossible. I don't think it's likely, but not impossible. Could the Chargers say, okay, like, let's tread water for a year. They've got Tyrod Taylor in the roster. Maybe at that point, maybe that's when you roll the dice on Cam Newton. We'll see. Question number two from Rich Sirignisi. That's at Rich underscore Sirignisi. Who is the first offensive tackle that's going to be drafted? Like Jim said, I don't know if there's a Walter Jones in this year's group, but I would just say it's going to be sort of up to what you need and what you want. And that means it's going to be it's going to kind of ride on, on who winds up taking the first one. So... Um, I don't think one goes in the top three picks. I think one could be in play at four. One could be in play at five. One could be in play at eight. One could be in play at nine. And so somewhere along that line, you're going to have your first offensive tackle go. And if it's the Giants, I think you look for kind of a size speed um, freak, and that's what Mekhi Becton is. So Mekhi Becton would make some sense if it's, if it's the Giants pulling the trigger. If it's the Dolphins... You know, maybe it's Beckton, maybe it's Andrew Thomas because they're looking for a replacement for, um, you know, for for Laramie Tunsil who they traded last August. So I think this sort of is a kind of depends on who's taking the the kid sort of pick. Like the Jets, who are his own blocking team, might see Worfs is better than any of them. You know, so I think there's sort of just some different dynamics at work where where each of them are a little bit different, and it's going to be kind of beauty being in the eye of the beholder on that one. Question number three from. I, at Icy McLaurin, I enjoy that nickname. Um, and he's got like a canoe and a, a snowflake as his as his, uh, as his his handle there. How do you view the Redskins roster for 2020? Are they a lock for a top five pick again in 2021? I do not think they're a lock for a top five pick in 2021. We mentioned off the top, their defensive line has a chance to be really, really good. If they draft Chase Young, now all of a sudden their defensive line is supercharged. They, they need some help in the secondary. Um, but they're pretty decent at the skill position players on skill positions on offense. Obviously Trent Williams is like a lingering question out there. I, like if Dwayne Haskins makes some progress, I, I don't think it's impossible in a division that's going to have new coaches three of the four teams that have new coaches. It's impossible. They're competitive in the six and 10, you know, seven and nine range. Question number four is from Josh Aris. That's at Josh Aris. Will there even be a football season? This was what I was referencing off the top. I am going to answer one of these questions. 
Josh, I sure hope so. Um, I don't think any of us can answer that question. I would tell you I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, I'm not a doctor. I don't cover infectious disease. Um, I, I, my wife is a nurse, but that doesn't give me a whole lot more inside information than anybody else on where this is going. I will tell you that just some of the things that I've heard from people who I think know are encouraging that, you know, by the summer we'll be starting to get back to normal. And if we're getting, starting to get back to normal by the summer in July and August, then I think there will be a football season. What form it takes on, we'll see. But I do think there will be a football season. I sure hope there is, too. Question number five, Roger First in Cuyahoga Falls. That's at R1 First or at R First Cleveland. Potential draft day trades for Andrew Barry and the Cleveland Browns. I like I think your radar has to be up for the Browns trading down because of, you know, what we've seen in the past. Now, one thing you can say for Andrew Barry and his group um, and the group there that uh, started to build a team in and I'm going to say it was 2016. The thing about them, like they didn't do a great job picking players, but they were excellent at maximizing their assets and making the most of their assets. And so I, it wouldn't surprise me if we see them start to start to build assets again. And maybe I like, I don't know, maybe the tackles are gone and they see somebody wants to come up for one of the defensive players. Maybe one of the defensive players slips a little bit. Somebody comes up for one of them. Maybe Justin Herbert slips, maybe, you know, whoever it is, they could be a landing spot for one of those teams. I think the likelihood is they sit tight um, where they are and take one and, and, and take one of the offensive linemen or the offensive linemen are gone. I would think that they'd be open to moving down. Um, in this year's draft, they've got two third rounders. They don't have a fifth rounder, um, but they have seven picks overall. And so I think building up the sort of war chest would make some sense and would be along the lines of the history of Andrew Barry when he was there before under Sashi Brown. Finally, question number six, last question of the week. For a team like the Jets or any other with a new GM, a top 15 pick and no real chance to win now, what is more important, a top-tier player in the draft or draft capital for the next five years? James, I would tell you that I think that this is a draft to look at the long view because of the situation that all these teams are going to be in. No offseason program. That makes it a little like 2011. The difference is during that lockout year, you had 28 padded practices in training camp. These teams are only going to have 16. It's going to be hard to get guys up to speed um, in the environment that you've got right now. Very, very difficult to get, uh, get the young guys up to speed. So I think you have to look at every rookie and say, whatever we get from him, to me, like, like whatever we get from him is a little bit of a bonus. Um, we're looking towards 2021, 22, and 23. That's why I think some teams are going to look at their holes and say, let's see if there are some veterans available during draft week so we can have somebody who can come in here and hit the ground running to fill one of our holes so we don't have to rely on a rookie for it. That said, they need to the Jets themselves need to address their tackle issue. And so I think it's very, very important they take care of the tra- tackle issue. That's about taking care of your young quarterback. Joe Douglas has... Um, shown a desire to do that with Connor McGovern and with you know George Fant and all the offensive line additions they've had this offseason. I think they continue there, add another offensive lineman in the draft if they can with that 10th overall pick. Thanks, guys, for coming out. I appreciate you guys sticking with me through all of this. Um, like I said, like I was trying to make this mostly about football today. I think we've done that. Um, and I want your feedback on that too, like how much you guys want me to balance and what's going on in the world with – kind of giving you guys the you know the, the 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 candy of of life that is football so anything that you guys any feedback that you guys have is helpful we'll incorporate it in here the next few weeks obviously a little bit more immediate than in the past we've always talked about well if you got big box ideas for changing the podcast bring them here well if you've got ideas for the next few weeks or how you guys want us to handle it be sure to let me know um, and you guys know how to get to me again on social. You get to me on Twitter at Albert Breer on Facebook at Albert R Breer on Instagram at Albert underscore Breer. And always remember to listen to all of our podcasts, the week side podcast now twice a week. We've got the weekend review podcast, which is a new thing we're doing kind of reviews some things that we've all written over the course of the week. And of course the Monday morning podcast with Gary all in one feed. That's the MMQB NFL podcast feed, the MMQB news feeds there for you too. If you want that, the bite size news, you can get both podcasts, on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, wherever you guys get your shows. Stay safe out there. Stay inside and stay healthy. Appreciate you guys coming out. Same time next week. We'll be that much closer to the draft. I'll see you guys then.
There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. Managing your diabetes just got easier. The powerful new Dexcom G7 lets you see your glucose numbers on your compatible watch and phone without finger sticks. And because Dexcom G7 is the most accurate CGM system, you can be confident in your food, exercise, and medication decisions. And all those decisions can lead to big results like more time in range and lower A1C. Get started at Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 